All this month, we're asking you to tell a friend about a podcast they'll love. Right now, think of a friend, your mom, anyone you care about. What podcast would they really love? Got it? Now go do it. Tell them about it in real life or on social media. And if they don't know about podcasts, show them how. Tell us what you recommended with the hashtag tripod, T-R-Y-P-O-D. Thanks for spreading the word. Welcome to the Ringer NFL Show. My name is Robert Mays. I'm a writer at The Ringer. Joining me on the other line, it's Danny Kelly. Danny, how are you? I am doing great, man. Uh, just, man, there's so many freaking players in the draft. <laughs> I, I, miss, I missed you, man. We haven't done this in a little while. <laughs> I know. I've been, uh, I've been in the lab, as they say, kind of just trying to figure out who these guys are as much as possible at the last minute. I mean, you know, we've talked about this before. Like, we kind of catch up with all the hardcore draft analysts at this point of year but um that said i think I, I got a good i think i got a good feeling on on a few of these guys and so i'm excited to talk about them so we're doing pass catchers today we're gonna do receivers and tight ends in the same show we're actually gonna be welcomed a little bit later by former michigan tight end jake butt which i'm very excited about Sweet. but before that me and you were gonna dig into this a little bit and we were chatting it this is almost like speed dating, you know, kind of preparing for these <laughs> yep. shows because especially doing two and one, there are so many guys that we have to watch, you know, 10 or 12 players we're probably going to talk about today. And to dig into all of them, you need to go pretty quickly. So in rapid succession, I was clicking between <laughs> a lot of videos in the last 24 hours, but we'll, we'll get into that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it's funny because I, we'll have to, I mean, I, I like, I love draft breakdown. It's, it's an excellent resource. Like you can go back and I mean, I, I don't watch a ton of college football during the season. So it's like condensed into, you know, you're watching the same guy snaps over and over and it can be a little bit repetitive, but man, it, it's, it's such a good resource to just be able to stay up on these guys. And so huge, huge shout out to them. Cause I've been at that website, you know, for the last three days watching these guys. Absolutely. I've been doing the same thing. So let's dig into this. What we did last week with Lance Zerline, we were talking about the running backs is we kind of did a, would you rather at the top between <laughs> yeah. one of the two top, you know, the two top guys at the position at wide receiver. I think that's difficult because excuse me at wide receiver. I think that's difficult because I'm not sure the hierarchy dictates that there are two top guys. Right. In my mind, I would say it's probably a triangle of three guys with those three being Corey Davis from Western Michigan, Mike Williams from Clemson, which thank God we got another Mike Williams. It had been too long. I mean, <laughs> the requisite Mike Williams every two years. I'm glad there's another one. Thankfully, all the other ones have cycled out of the league. Like if there had been some Mike Williams that had lingered a little bit more, we would be in real trouble. So, <laughs> so shout out to the other two for doing what, for really making it easier on us. And then the third guy being John Ross from Washington. And one yeah. of the reasons I think wide receivers kind of a fascinating position in any breakdown is that they come in all shapes and sizes. You know, there isn't one prototypical wide receiver at running back. You have different styles of player, but for the most part, they all fall in some basic spectrum and right. wide receiver. That's not true at all. So I think that's part of the problem is that picking who you'd rather have among these guys is difficult because it's kind of a choose your favorite flavor situation. But that's what yeah. I want to do with those three guys right now. I kind of want to dig into them and just and just chat about actually just respond to like you were going to say. Sorry. Oh, I mean, I, I just, yeah, it, with the way that teams use receivers now, you got, I mean, the three receiver set is is pretty much the main way that teams run their offense these days. And 
you know, that the idea of a number one X receiver is, I mean, it's still a thing, but it's not quite as important because even an X receiver like Julio Jones, like he lines up in the slot all the time, you know, they, they have, they use him in different ways they're running him around before the snap. So it's not like, I don't know the, the prototypical, the quote prototypical number one receiver is I think kind of evolving it, it, like slot receivers like Doug Baldwin are, you know, really, really productive. Antonio Brown doesn't look like a normal number one receiver. So I think kind of the definition, the prototypes are changing a little bit over the years. I totally agree. So, all right, let's dig into this a little bit among those three guys. Who would you say is your favorite? (sighs) Yeah. And that it's so tough to answer that question. I I think I came away from kind of my tape study of, of these three guys liking Mike Williams the most. Sure. And you know, people are people are kind of dinging him for his lack of, you know, deep speed. He's not kind of the same mode as maybe like uh, Sammy Watkins, DeAndre Hopkins, or, you know, even Julio Jones in the sense that he's going to run a 4-3 and get deep every time. But I, I really just, I really liked just watching him play. Basically, he he's the type of guy to me that is a quarterback's best friend. You know, he's alpha, alpha guy out on the field, like plays super aggressive, you know, He's bodying up cornerbacks. He he has great hands. He's making these sideline catches that are just insane. There was actually one catch. I can't remember which game it was, but he made it. It really reminded me of that Julio Jones catch in the in the Super Bowl where he just like basically at, like stretched out fully at, at the sideline over a guy to grab a ball. So he's making those kind of catches. Um, I mean, he's he's going to be a back shoulder machine in the in the pros. I, I just really, really liked what he showed. It may be a lazy, easy comparison, and it's not a one-to-one, but I, he does remind me of DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, yeah. Hopkins ran a 4.57 at the Combine. They, his time 40 at his pro day was 4.41. Williams reportedly ran a 4.49 at his, and mm-hmm. he's three he's three inches taller. That's a feel like DeAndre Hopkins look plays like he's 6.4, but he's 6.1. Mike Williams yeah, plays like this, and actually. he's 6.4. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's legitimately six four. It doesn't. It's not that he plays like it. It's that in real life, according to facts, he is six four. So yeah. I, I see a lot of that, and I totally agree. I just think that he makes your quarterback better. He plays faster than he, he, his speed is not as much of a factor because of the style that he plays with. So right. watching a couple of his games, I watched the Auburn game this morning. And I was a little concerned watching that game that on a lot of those back shoulder throws and some of those contested catches that he was letting a lot of those balls get into his body. Because Mm -hmm. I think that when you're that style of receiver and you don't have a lot of separation, not having the surest, strongest hands is more of a concern than if you're a deep whatever guy. So that worried me a little bit. And then I watched a couple more games and I was no longer worried. (laughs) Right. (laughs) The Ohio State game from this year, the the playoff game he was fantastic and i just think that he is that exact type of receiver he can physically dominate people he's open when he's not which is a skill in and of itself and one of the most important skills so i think that if you're looking for that kind of guy he is going to be that deandre hopkins type player but even a little bit bigger so i think that yeah if that's your style then i don't think you can go wrong with him Right. I actually had that note too against Auburn. He had a drop in the end zone on a slant route, which kind of just, it, it kind of went through. It hit him in the and, chest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then he had a couple other plays that you definitely wouldn't call them drops because they were like highly contested, you know, back shoulder, or whatever. The one very, in the back corner good. of the end zone. Yeah. And, and but yeah. you'd like to see him catch those. But then again, yep. I, 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 that was the exact same thing that happened to me. Then you go back and find, you know, and look at his other games. Maybe, maybe he's going to end up kind of like a Brandon Marshall where 
you have a couple bonehead drops and it's kind of like, man, that's frustrating. But at the same time, he makes just like these amazing catches like that kind of just make up for it essentially. And so um, I was, I, I spent a lot of time trying to think of comps for these guys. And, and um, I know that there's kind of been an Anquan Bolden sort of Alshon Jeffrey vibe in terms of just because people think he's a little bit slow. I don't really... I mean, I don't know if I, when I watch the tape, I see him as a slow receiver. I think he plays fast enough. He kind of reminded me of Keenan Allen a little bit in the sense that. Oh, see, that's funny. I had a, another one of these guys reminded me of Keenan Allen. <laughs> That'll be, yeah, I'll be interested to see who you hear about to or, or to hear about who you see in that mold. But I mean, I was just watching him basically, you know, he, he breaks guys off with his route running and he's a quarterback's best friend. And so I, I kind of just saw that, like, you know, that version of Keenan Allen, like the guy who's super competitive, maybe not like a speed demon, but but wins with his size and his ability to, you know, catch the ball and, and all that. So I really liked Williams the most, I think. But, I mean, these other two guys are, are really, really good too. And so it's kind of just like you're, you're you know, it, it's maybe just a style thing that that's you kind of have to, like, decide which one you want the most. Keenan Allen and Anquan Bolden to me, what makes them so good is that they're able to manufacture separation without elite athletic traits. Right. And that's that's not Mike Williams' strength in my mind. I feel like he's really good in contested situations just because he's so physical and he tracks the ball so well. And that's why I think to me, Hopkins and Alshon Jeffrey is another good one. That's who he compares to me. Is that even when mm-hmm. he doesn't he's he isn't able to create separation, he's still able to affect the game just because he's physical, because he has such good awareness, all that kind of stuff. So the a guy that actually reminded me of Keenan Allen a little bit because I think he does create separation without the most elite physical traits was Corey Davis. Yeah. He just didn't stick out to me at all. He he was so hard for me to evaluate. I'm watching his games. And first thing you have to take into account, it's Western Michigan and he's not playing against the best competition. I mean, even the Mac isn't what Mike Williams is having to play against in every single game of Mike Williams career. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So he's, I think there's a lot of, cushion that he was given because he was so much better. He's running without people being really physical against him when they try to be physical, that he's just on a different athletic level than them. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like that was tough to evaluate, but when I'm watching him, I just see a guy that doesn't have one specific thing that totally sticks out to me, but he's open all the time. He's a freaking monster in the red zone and he <laughs> smells it. That was my favorite thing about him is that when they get down inside the 20, inside the 10, you can just tell how much it juices him. He cranks it up like three levels down there. And I love that. I love a guy that wants to score, and he clearly does. So I think with him, it's just looking at him and saying, do we think all of these things, this combination of nothing that jumps out, but everything that can create more than a sum of its parts is still impressive, is enough against this competition for me to feel comfortable taking him in the first round. I don't know what your answer would be to that. I think that the traits are, I mean, yeah, you have to take into account sort of the level of competition and all that, but I think the traits are there. And, yeah, and I agree. Watching him, watching him run, like he is, especially watching him ride in succession with Mike Williams, like his explosiveness in the short area really I think shined in in the sense that like I, I wrote this down like his pivot move after the catch is going to be devastating uh at the in, in, at the next level I think you, there was a couple of plays where you watch him he makes a catch and then he stops on a dime and like basically goes the other way and he was just like breaking ankles you know at that level I think that's and I think it's going to be the same thing at the next level I think 
that whip route. He, he's going to be really good on the whip route. He, he's got just a good ability to stop start. And so that was kind of like for a big guy, he, he shows this, I guess, uh, short area agility and explosiveness that you kind of don't see a lot. And I think that's one trait that you're going to see, you know, translate to the next level. Now he kind of, he had a few drops in pretty much. It felt like he had a couple drops in every game I watched. I think I watched like five or six games. Um, so again, it's kind of like the Brandon Marshall thing where you're going to have to put up with a few of those to, I guess, you know, it, it, you know that's fine. If, if you can stand a few drops when it, you know, interspersed with all the big plays he makes but um i I really liked him uh he's super super aggressive there was one play i can't remember who it was against where the the the, his quarterback essentially just chucked it up into the end zone and he just bodied a cornerback you know it was like a jump ball it was like flyers up and he just bodied the cornerback and went up and got it and um i think that kind of aggressiveness and and sort of the ability to win at the catch point is going to be important for him too him, you talk about him being a big guy. You know, when you watch him, that's not the first thing that jumps out. He doesn't seem that big, but then you right. think about it. It's like he's six three. You know, he's over two ten. He that's going to be the reason that he can be a red zone monster in the league and be a real weapon because mm-hmm. he does have that short area quickness and separation. But he's also quietly tall. Like Alshon right. Jeffrey's six three. You know, the, yeah. you. It's funny that those style guys play with. We think of them as bigger or smaller than they are. You watch him and you don't think of, oh, this is a big receiver, but he is. So when you combine that with everything else, I feel like that's what makes him really dangerous. But all that considered, and as much as I might like Mike Williams, my favorite tape of the three is not, it's not really a close. John Ross, John Ross is my man. (laughs) Like, I like it. I, I, of all, when you just watch him on tape, when you watch him play football, it's my favorite collection of what's there among these three guys. I feel like the stuff with him that I'm worried about is not necessarily what I see on the field. It's yeah. injury. It's injury stuff. It's how, how much time he's missed. The fact that he is a little smaller, mm-hmm. but when you watch him play four four two two, ain't lying. <laughs> That's how fast he is. <laughs> right. I, I mean, a guy runs a four, two, two forty. It's hard to play with that sort of speed. He absolutely does. But what I like most about him is that it's not just that he's a burner. I compared him to Deshaun Jackson when I was watching him because Mm -hmm. it's not just about speed. It's how you use that speed. And Deshaun is so good at getting to the stem and breaking people off and making sure that people are off balance, not just running past them, but using it as a secondary weapon, understanding that if you make people respect it, you can hurt them in other ways. And that's what I saw John Ross do all the time. He's just hurting people on every single manner because of how fast he is but he's also a pretty good route runner i just think that the separation he consistently created he's a weapon to me and i know the other two guys are reliable and they can be solid options but he just is a game breaker that doesn't come around that often in my mind right and i i the the notes i took on john ross were um you know clearly the speed is there and he's going to be a beast on on if he gets onto a team that likes play action like he is just going to be a beast because they can, you know, basically get him into one-on-one situations down the field and, and he can just run by guys. I mean, he's run, he, he'll be able to run by NFL corners and those are some of the fastest guys on the, you know, in the league. So uh, that's just, you know, something that he brings to the table. But I also, I looked at a lot of his catches come on stop routes and out routes and, and little things like that where, you know, he's, us, he's utilizing the fact that that cornerbacks are giving him a big cushion 
to, you know, do damage underneath too. And so that's, that's what I mean. I just think that he yeah. can do, he can hurt you in a lot of ways. He's not just like, I'm going to catch three balls for 110 yards guy. If exactly. you need him, put him in the slot and you need to rely on him as a more high volume factor in your offense. He can do that. And I think that's what yeah. separates him a little bit. He's not just fast. He's quick. Yep. Um, you know, and that, and that's big in terms of the route running and everything and, and getting off the jam, it, it, you know, that's the one area where you worry about guys of his size. And I don't think it's going to be a big problem for him just because he's so quick, you know, in and out of, you know, just from a start stop point of view. Um, I don't think, you know, I, I, I tried to do the the comparisons and I, I definitely thought of Deshaun Jackson too. He kind of reminded me a little bit and, and this is maybe going to sound like it's not like insulting, but like maybe like you're underselling him a little bit. He reminded me a little bit of Tyler Lockett and John Brown, just in the short area quickness, easy speed categories. Like both of those guys have easy speed, it seems like. And he just has no problem, you know, stretching the field, doing that stuff. But he can also do stuff underneath. You know, he, he could make plays uh, on end arounds and jet sweeps and, and just little crossing routes underneath where, you know, he's making plays. He, he's beating guys, you know, basically he's just killing uh, pursuit angles by defenders all day long. So, um, yeah, I think I, my question is, and I was going to ask you this, is what does he do that makes him, he's not going to become Philip Dorsett? Because I remember I, I was excited about Philip Dorsett. I don't know if he, I thought it was a first round pick, but his speed on the field was very apparent and he has not really figured it out yet. He hasn't kind of come into his own in the league yet. And so my question is, how is he going to not be Philip Dorsett at the next level? I think he's already more refined than Philip Dorsett was coming into the league. And maybe yeah. that's just my, the few games I've watched. I feel like he just has a better sense of how to create less late separation, just runs more routes, does different, is a more diverse factor in your offense than Philip Dorsett would be. That's what right. I would say. That's what yeah. I see him as. I think he's closer to Brandon Cooks coming in than he would be Philip Dorsett. And, yeah. you know, Cooks went, what, 20th? And I feel like Ross, I wouldn't surprise me at all if he went higher than that. I think the only thing that would push him down is those the injury concerns and the physicality stuff. I think that he's a good receiver, not just a fast guy. And I think right. that's what, in my mind, what separates him a little bit from what Philip Dorsett was. Yeah, and I agree with you completely on that. Um, he's also a really good returner which I don't know if NFL teams are going to use him for that, but I, I think, you know, that's another area where you can find value for this guy. So, and I wrote about it in a mock draft a couple of weeks ago, you know, he not only gives you a field stretching guy, a guy who can line up in the slot and, and, and run really good routes. It, he's a kind of guy who can give you shorter fields when he, when he's in the return game too. So, I mean, that's, that's really what you want from a first round pick is a guy who's going to be a, factor you know early on in multiple ways and i think that ross you know he's just kind of that kind of playmaker he had like 23 touchdowns on like the ball just gets uh, in the end zone man yeah exactly not very many touches so i mean that kind of that that is kind of reminds me of the the sean jackson thing like he just scored he just knows how to get into the end zone is there another guy you watched outside of those three that jumped out to you a little bit um, I watched Juju Smith Schuster a little bit. I watched Curtis Samuel a little bit. Um, you know, Samuel obviously impressed really, really, you know, he, he ran really, really fast at the combine. I think he ran a four, three, one. And if John Ross wasn't there, we'd probably be talking about Samuel a lot more. Um, but I wasn't as impressed when I watched his tape. I mean, he, he's probably going to go in the second or third round or something like that, but, um, 
yeah, I was trying to see if he's going to be like a Percy Harvin, Tyreek Hill type, like where, you know, explosive playmaker in the open field kind of guy that can, you know, give you this X factor speed that everyone has to sort of respect. And I just didn't really see the lateral agility and lateral, you know, burst that, that you really hope for. He's really, really fast off the line and he has that easy speed that I was talking about earlier, but, um, he just didn't he, he to me he wasn't like a tackle breaker or a guy who's going to make a lot of guys miss in the in the open field kind of straight line guy he wasn't my favorite he also fights himself a little bit more than i would like you know, i was yeah. watching him catch the ball today hit the numbers don't really back that up i think he kept he doesn't have that many drops but there are plays where he's fighting himself a little more than i would like out of a guy who's going to be a full-time receiver you know his position right. is kind of he does a lot of different things but the other guy i watched that i feel like i had to just because his production's been crazy and he was you know it's level competition guy that I was curious about is Connor cup. The guy from Eastern Washington. Uh huh. Yeah. I thought he was really interesting. I mean, I like because him. you look at him, he played so much in the slot there, but he's a big guy. And his, yeah. I watched the Eastern Washington or the, excuse me, the Washington state game again this morning. And he did affected that game in so many ways, including on like a fade in the back of the end zone where he just kind of out muscled the guy for it. I, I'm he's interesting to me because athletically, yeah. I don't think he looks out of place. But at times he has the wrong sort of athleticism. He's not very instant. He takes a little while to get going. But when he does, he looks like he belongs out there with those kind of guys. So with his production, I think that how a team, how much a team values him and how they plan on using him is something I'm going to definitely pay attention to. Yeah, I liked him too. I mean, again, it's like you worry about the level of competition and all that. But I like, I kind of just like guys who are gamers like that. And I know that's like a sort of an intangible thing or whatever and and, you know that doesn't always translate to the next level but i really like just his his um he was super super reliable and i mean i think that some team is going to find a role for him and and again like we talked about earlier like the way that you can um with so many different styles of receiver now you can you can use that guy for for certain things so um i liked him and you know people have kind of given the jarvis landry um comparison to cooper cup and i I think that does fit you know who actually reminded me of jarvis landry more was juju smith schuster yeah and he's gotten kind of the anquan bolden treatment because he's big and i guess physical and things like that but i didn't really see anquan bolden as much i think um i don't know like i just didn't really see it maybe he's just not like the the same style to to me in terms of just the way he plays but i definitely saw kind of the jarvis landry thing where you know, you're catching short passes over the middle. He's fearless over the middle. He's very reliable. Um, and But then making yards after the catch and being physical and being kind of just savvy in terms of, like, spatial awareness and, and, and good angles and things like that. So he kind of, like, when I was watching him, I really kind of saw another type of Jarvis Landry. I could see teams using him in the slot. He can play outside, too, but... I think his physicality inside is is really what drew me drew me to that comparison. So he's another interesting guy to me. Let's hit the tight ends really quick before we get out of here. I mean, obviously the place to start is with OJ Howard, who yep. everyone considers a pretty no brainer first round pick. When you watched him, is there anything to give you pause about that? No, because again, it's like the traits are there. I think that yeah. obviously you kind of worry about what what how he was used at Alabama and the lack of big time production there, but like he is so freaking fast and so smooth as an athlete. Like 
I mean, when you have when you stand out as an athlete when you're playing on the field with Alabama athletes, like that's saying something. And he he definitely just like the way he the the way he moves, like the speed and ease that he moves, um, was a little bit reminiscent of like a Vernon Davis type. You know, I don't think he hit the same speed numbers as Vernon Davis in terms of the forty, but his agility numbers at the combine were out of control. And, and, and he's taller. I think he's like six six, and so. He's got the size, great, you know, catching radius. Uh, I think he's a high effort blocker. I don't know if he's necessarily really good at it yet, but he puts a lot of effort into it because he had to in the Alabama offense. And so he's the kind of guy that, you know, could potentially be one of those, you know, inline and, you know, spread them out type of guys. And so, um, you know, in, in the way that the teams use tight ends these days, I think he has a ton of upside. If you, if you put him with a really good quarterback that likes to utilize tight ends, I mean, he could be like a double-digit touchdown guy. He reminds me of Greg Olson. Yeah. They're the, they're the same height. They both weighed in a little over 250. They ran identical 40s, 4 5 one at the Combine. That he, that's what he reminds me of. Again, high-energy blocker isn't necessarily the most physical guy, but can get it done just because he gives a shit about it. That's exactly who he reminded me of. And even, even the way he moves after the that's catch. That's what I was just going to say. Yeah. Like, they move the same. Like, they're tall yep. and kind of lanky, but they yep. they just cover ground. Smooth after the catch. Like, catches it. And after they make plays in the, in the flat, turns up field really naturally, looks to get yards after he makes catches. It, yep. They move very similar to me. I watched them, and I was like, this is eerie and i don't know if it's an 88 thing or whatever but <laughs> that's just who i saw when i watched him play and there's no reason to me why he shouldn't be a first round pick and, and yeah. imagining him in an offense like tampa bay's you know if you have Deshaun, mike evans and him i oh, sign man. me up sign me up baby <laughs> I, I am all in on that all the time and that's they i guess they were having in for a visit they were looking at him is with the reports and uh, that would be the spot i would love for him to land all right quickly is there anybody else that jumped out to you um, yeah, there's a couple of guys. I, I, I think uh, Evan Ingram is going to be interesting to see where he ends up. Yep. Uh, he oh, from ran Ole Miss. like a four 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 one or something like yeah. that, like freakish numbers. Um, I think the Jordan Reed sort of Aaron Hernandez uh, category of move tight end is a good fit for him, and, and you're not going to ask him to do a lot of blocking. But I mean, he he just the way he moves around the field, it's kind of it's like OJ Howard, like he's just faster. He he just moves faster than everyone. Um, they asked him to do a I, lot of different stuff. They, he ran a lot of different types of routes. He ran it from different angles. And I think that if you're going to imagine him in the NFL, that's what you're going to need to see. He's going to yeah. need to be a matchup nightmare. So the idea that you can put him in a lot of different spots and trying to maximize that, I think is going to end up mattering. Yeah, definitely. I remember watching Jordan Reed prior to the draft when he went, and there was one play in particular that kind of just stuck out to me where he made like this jump cut to avoid, uh, to avoid a tackle and like, He's in the open field and basically like lateral jump cut and totally made a guy miss. And I swear Evan Ingram made like the exact same like move <laughs> when I was watching it yesterday. So like I like to me that is that's a good showing of like his open field agility slash speed and slash explosiveness. And so um I, I'm very intrigued with him. Um obviously David Joku is is really interesting. I was I kind of took an interest in Jeremy Sprinkle. Um, just because, because of his name, don't lie. <laughs> well, yeah, obviously that, um, there's some good tight end names in this class, by the way. Um, but to me, he's, he's, he stood out because he's a really good blocker. Um, and he's the kind of guy who there, there aren't a lot of true Y tight ends anymore. You know, they're kind of like, especially in this class, like 
this class is defined by guys who are super, super athletic. And it's in a ridiculous um, athletic class. I mean, the 40 know, times insane. are the best they've been at the position in about a decade. I mean, it yeah, was I mean, absolutely insane. insane what the averages were at the combine, which I think yeah, speaks Bucky to how Hodges. the position has changed, you know? Right. And I think that Joku was interesting to me, you know, watching him, he's so big and he moves so well, ridiculous yeah. explosion numbers. Uh, Your team is going to take a chance on him high. There's no reason oh, yeah. not to. I mean, you just consider the frame plus he doesn't, He's not a bad, he doesn't have bad hands. He can catch the ball. And when you look at everything else, I know he's still raw, but somebody's going to take a chance on that guy because it, he's not somebody that you say, okay, well, there's no way he can ever block. He has the frame to right. do a little bit of that. So I think he's worth it. And the one Dude, guy I arms, watched today. Joku's arms are longer than like most offensive tackles. He has like a 35 yeah. and a half inch arms. There, there's no reason for insane. a team not to take a risk on that guy. And the other yeah. guy that stuck out to me as I was watching just the way he plays and how teams are using tight ends overall, George Kittle from Iowa. He ran a oh, really great 40 at the combine. He does a lot of H-back stuff in their offense, but just him kind of going against the grain in play action, wheel routes from an H-back backfield position, I think he can affect the game in that way consistently. Hey, I, I was very impressed by him. I think he could be a steal for somebody in like the fifth round. Nice. Yeah, I haven't watched him yet, so that's something I'll I'll add that to my list. I, I like it. Yeah, four five two in the forty. So that's pretty impressive. Yeah, my man Six, can four, move two forty seven. All right, buddy. Uh, this is all we got. We had to kind of cruise through those a little bit because we got Jake yeah. Buck coming on. But this is fun. We'll have we'll be back. We'll do some more of these before the draft. And this is always a good time. I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good, man. Talk to you soon. All right. Before we get to Jake, though, I want to hear from one of our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by the Ringer University Podcast. That's where you can find teed up hosts Mark Titus and Tate Frazier breaking down every game during March Madness. Subscribe to Ringer University right now and let our college basketball experts be your buddies for the whole tournament. And I'm very pleased to be welcomed now by Jake Butt, former Michigan tight end, who was kind enough to give us some time today. Jake, how you doing? Doing well. I really appreciate that time. Absolutely. So I felt like the timing was interesting. Danny and I, essentially my partner, we just finished talking about the tight ends. And one of the things we were mentioning is just that the class overall is so athletic, so fast. Look at the 40 times of the combine. Obviously you weren't involved in that, but just as kind of a bigger idea, a lot of guys that are move players off the line players. And what I wanted to ask you about is that I feel like the where you grew up, like the time you grew up, you were nine years, eight years old when Antonio Gates got into the league. Like when Gronk was drafted, you were a sophomore in high school. You've never known a tight end world without these types of players. So when you were kind of thinking about the position overall, did you have to work backwards a little bit to find guys that really fit the way that you played? I'll be honest with you, no. I always thought, I always considered tight end to be a guy that can do it all. Okay. A guy that can line up and, uh, yeah, he can line up in line block. He can flex out outside and catch, um, and anything that they're asked to do. That's how I always looked at the tight end, you know? How much, how early did you play it? Like, what age were you really locked into that spot? Uh, I started playing football in sixth grade, and that's when I started playing tight end. And, you know, I played it throughout my, throughout my career. It's more of a tight end wide receiver type deal, you know? Yeah, and then at Michigan, I feel like you did a little bit of everything. I mean, they asked you to split out wide, yeah. but you did a lot of inline blocking. Do you feel like going? I mean, you guys did a lot of pro style stuff your entire time there, but do you feel like playing for Jim really gave you a sense of exactly the types of stuff you need to do in the league? Do you feel like it was a good precursor? 
Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, every team's different, too, about what, what they ask. And, you know, I can even see that in college a little bit with, you know, having three different offensive coordinators. And I'm sure it's the same way in the league. Not every team's going to use their tight ends the same. But the good thing about playing for Coach Harbaugh is I got to, uh, you know, put on tape, you know, little things of me doing just about everything. Um, I lined up at receiver, lined up at fullback, I lined up at move tight end, lined up at Y, uh, even played some tackle, you know, in, in special packages. So, um, you know, teams can look at that film and, and see just about anything they, they need to see. And that's the thing. It's not just the number of different spots you line up. I remember watching his offenses in San Francisco, which you guys didn't do necessarily at Michigan, but the amount of different ways he would use H blocks or fullbacks or tight ends to block the same action. It just feels like you have to understand how to attack defenders from like 12 different angles. Was that a transition for you? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, uh, it's, it's just kind of whatever whatever the coach asks you to do, and uh, you know whatever whatever the team needs to to win a game. Um, and I was excited about having a big role, and I try to find a way to do it to my, the best of my abilities. What's your favorite Harbaugh story? Is there a moment from those two years that sticks out with you? Um, you know, there. <laughs> I can't really think of too many too crazy ones. There, there's you know everything you see of him in the media. You know, he, he's not putting on a show. It's just that's that's the kind of guy he is. You know, he doesn't try to hide it or anything. But um, there's one where he was demonstrating to us how he wanted uh, us to block and he wanted us to have tight hands and punch. And he has this little podium that he usually puts his notes on when he addresses the team. And at first he was talking, and as he was talking, he was getting more fired up about it. And then eventually he went up there and he demonstrated on the podium. And he blocked the podium, he punched it, sent it flying across the room and went across like, broke a few things and stuff and I had to like fix those up and get fix the podium up and everything but it just kind of demonstrates you know the passion he demonstrates and, and how much he really cares about the team I could just imagine him in that moment like turning his hat around backwards like flipping the mar- the marker behind him like really getting into it every it. way possible yeah yeah you got it you got it exactly and then when it was done fixing his pants tucking his shirt back in pulling him back up all that and uh, then it was back to normal you know acting like nothing ever happened <laughs> I was watching a couple of your games uh, earlier today, and, and I felt like there are a few things that you just seem to do really well. And I'm curious about asking you. You played t- when you guys played Ohio State, I believe, two years on 2015. There was a play where you were just working in the middle of the field, and you hesitated one way while facing the quarterback and jerked back the other way, just like trying to play with a linebacker in that situation. Yeah. How yeah. do you develop that? Is that a feel thing? Do you study how those guys react when you kind of pin down in that area? How does that start? Uh, I really think it is a feel thing. Um, and uh, it's, it's something that's hard to teach and hard to develop. Like, having have a feel for the game. You know, I always feel like you kind of either have it or you don't. And, um, you know, when, when you have your back turned to the defense, you, you can't really – I don't know where that guy is. I just yep. have to feel him. And then, you know, I, I have to understand the zones. And it's something you can't really think about while you're, while you're running to, uh, the play or else you're going to be, you know, moving too slow or you'll be thinking too much. So, um, yeah, I think I know exactly what player you're talking about. It that, that, I mean, that's a route you, you work on a lot, but um, most of it's feel. Yeah, and that's the type of thing that it just feels like, especially with the way tight end is going, when you're both split out and when you're in line, exploiting that area of the field is really important. I'm thinking of the touchdown you had in overtime against Indiana 
where you were down the seam, yeah. you worked outside, you worked back inside. And even that is just more yeah. of a understanding where the guy is going to go in open space. Because, I mean, right. even, even if you could have run last earlier this month, I'm not sure you're turning in like a 4-5-0. I mean, or like a 4-4-0. Yeah. So you're going to need mm-hmm. to do that stuff. I mean, so is this yeah. how much work do you do in studying how people react to those movements? But yeah, you, you study that. Um, you study, you know, how things play their certain coverages, so you know, you know, uh, where the zones are going to be, or how, how they play man, or how the guy that you expect to cover, cover you covers you. Um, but again, a lot of it is is feel um, when you're running routes, and, and you know, I might not run a four four or four five or anything like that. If I would have been fast, I'm fast enough to succeed. But totally, um, there's plenty of other ways to to run routes and get open. And, um, I like to think I'm a savvy route runner. I'm creative and um, I have a very good field. And that kind of, I feel like is part of the advantage you have going through this process where I don't think you would have need to shown a team that you could run under a certain thing. So the fact that you're maybe not going to yeah. be able to put that on a stopwatch, whatever you have a bigger advantage in that area than I think some other guys would because you've shown that you have a feel for that kind of stuff. When you're talking to teams, yeah. is that something they've communicated is that they're not necessarily worried about you not being able to work out? Yeah. I mean, um, you know, obviously I would have loved to work out and stuff, but teams, teams know that I've been starting since I was a freshman. I got four years of play. Um, and you know, most of this whole process is what you put on tape and then, you know, what, what you go out there and do and the drills and stuff that, that kind of backs up what they, what they want to see or, you know, they might want to see something. You can go out there and uh, do it or not. But uh, most of this stuff is what you put on tape, and I'm, I'm real proud of uh, what I put on tape for these past few years. So going through this process, I mean, at the combine and everything else, when you're having conversations, were there's something outside of the injuries that people were curious about that surprised you, like that they wanted to know your knowledge of or your opinion of? Um, no, you know, most of it was teams would, they'd, uh, they'd put on your film and, Without, with, they just say, hey, you know, what, what formation, what motion, what play, what's your assignment, what, you know, what did you do here? And you'd have to be able to, you know, it's kind of, they're kind of basically seeing how much you understood your offense, um, how much you, you could teach them your position, you know, how much you care, essentially. And then there'd be other teams they put on, they, they'd put up a few of their players and teach it to you in about 30 seconds to a minute, and then they'd quiz you. They put on their film and they say, you know, hey, what's this? What's this? What's this? You have to be able to, you know, fire it back in. And what, I was at the combine. I was actually standing there as you did your little press conference. And you said something when somebody was asking about your rehab. And you said, I know where an average man would be. And I know that I'm ahead of that. And it yeah. was very, it was very yeah. matter of fact. And it was very funny. And just because you were trying to be a dick. I mean, like, that's exactly yeah. how you felt. And yeah. it, it, it was informative to me because when people ask you, you know, do you regret playing in the bowl game? Do you feel like you kind of got screwed? Whatever. Athletes don't really think like that. Like, you know what average yeah. people think and do, and then you know what you do. So has yeah. that crept into your mind whatsoever? The fact that really in my last game that doesn't actually matter, this happens? Um, you know, I don't think that it doesn't matter. You know, that's, that's not the case at all. But sure. the way I look at it and the way I've always kind of attacked things is, you know, I'm, I'm whatever's put in front of me. I'm just going to attack it. You know, and right. You know, it's unfortunate that this happened, but it's not the end of the world. I had a great surgery. It was successful, and I've just been attacking rehab. And I, you know, I'm excited to be back out there playing next season. Um, it's not something that I'm going to worry about or you know let it affect too many things in my life. But um, 
you know, it's all it is. That's that's what you do when you're an athlete. Is there are, there's always going to be challenges. Sometimes it's an injury. Sometimes it's other things. Um, and you just have to have that mindset that you're just going to attack it no matter what it is. And that's kind of what separates athletes from the rest of us. That's kind of what I'm saying is that I feel like a lot of other people would say, oh, man, what was me? I can't believe this happened in the most important moment of my life right before I was about to do this. Yeah. But I know that you guys don't necessarily think like that. So it makes yeah, sense. Right, right. The last thing I needed to ask right. you, I, I was it's totally obligatory after the combine. I was with some of the female reporters that were there and there was just a marveling at your eyebrows. And just the sculpting of them. I is there? Do you yeah. have a regimen? Is that just how they are? Because I feel like there's a lot of jealousy coming from the women of the world. Uh yeah. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't really notice that or pick up on it. Uh, I don't. I don't do anything special. It's just how they grow. I guess. I guess I'm lucky. <laughs> you, you you are a lucky man, according to a lot of people who have opinions about these sort of things. So I just I, I just wanted you to know, know that. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. It's you know, yeah. it's an upside that you probably didn't think about. Right. Right. All right, man. I uh, really appreciate this. Right. This is great. Best of luck in the coming months. I uh, had a good time watching your games earlier today, and uh, I think that the team's going to be lucky to have you no matter where you end up. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, man. Talk to you later. All right. See ya. All right. Well, thanks to Jake for doing that, and that's all we got today. We're going to be ne- back next week. You know, We're doing one of these every single week about a certain position. Hopefully next week's going to be quarterbacks. Don't hold me to that. We're planning on it, but that's one that we can't really take lightly, so want to do it the right way. In the meantime, make sure to listen to the Ringer NFL show on Friday with Mike Lombardi and Tate Frazier, and hopefully go check all of our draft stuff out on theringer.com, and we'll talk to you guys later. 